Lord Jesus, we want to proclaim you everywhere, individually and as a community. So Lord, please open your word this morning and teach us as collected individuals how to be the community of people you've called us to be. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. When I had first become a Christian, one of the first times I went to any kind of church service, I went to a fellowship group for college students, and I, I sat down next to this huge football player that I didn't know from Adam. And the group started singing this camp song. Some of you may have heard it before. It goes, Alla-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-
We long for community. And the good news is Jesus Christ does not want you to be alone. He wants to satisfy that longing you have. And he calls us into and empowers community. And the text we read this morning talks about what true community looks like. And there are five things that I think community, true community looks like. And they all begin with C, which will help you remember. Five C's of community. The first is, this is easy, Christ. Our community is centered on Jesus Christ, which is different. Most other human communities are based on shared affinities of hobbies or work or race or class. Only Jesus transcends those things and helps us be together as one people. Christ, our communities are centered in him. The second C is commitment. Commitment. These people are committed to each other. They met every day to pray together, study God's word together. They are committed. And one of the reasons I think community fails in our culture is a lack of commitment to each other, especially when it comes to time. We're just too busy. Even in church, sometimes the best we can do is meet once a week for a Bible study or maybe chat in the narthex. That's not community. That's an appointment. If we want true community, we need to commit to see each other regularly, often. That may mean we have to work less. Or maybe limit our kids' activities to one or two a week so we all have time for community. Commitment makes community. Christ, commitment. The third C is common dependence. Common dependence. You know, one of the things that works against community in our culture is we don't need each other. If you go to less affluent countries, you'll notice they have a stronger sense of community. And one of the reasons is they need each other. There may be only one shovel in the town. And so that that forces you to rely on each other. You've got to go talk to Joe. Because Joe has the shovel and you need the shovel. That builds community. Here in America, we just go buy a shovel. This summer, Christina and I did some yard work. And we didn't have a wheelbarrow or a lot of the tools we needed. So we borrowed them. And we also borrowed the neighbor's kids to help us. And it was amazing how that built community, because now we were suddenly talking to each other. In Acts 2, these people had a common dependence. They needed each other. They cared for each other, especially financially. Those who had more money helped those who had less. Not in a communistic way, as has been tried to be argued about this passage. They still had control over their own property, but everyone gave to a common fund to help each other out. Common dependence builds community. When I lived in California, uh, my friends from Seattle and I would often get together four or five times a year to keep the community going. But sometimes, for whatever reasons, one of us may not have had enough money to, to afford the flight. So all the rest of the friends would chip in and buy that person's plane ticket. And that common dependence built community. Those of you who have been ill and have relied on this community for meals, for support, for prayer, know that common dependence builds community. We need to learn to need each other. Christ, community, common dependence. The fourth C is confession. Confession. James 5 says that we should confess our sins to one another. And I would add on to that not just our sins, but our fears, our failures, 
and our weaknesses as well. Now, some of you are looking at me right now. Hold on there, partner. (laughs) Now you're meddling, pastor. I am not going to do that. No way, no how. I'm not going to confess my sins and my failures and my weaknesses to anybody. But you know what? Here's the deal. If we don't do that, if we're not honest with each other, then we're always going to walk around with the nagging question if these people really knew about my sins, my failures, my fears, the fact that I'm almost bankrupt, the fact that my kids don't like me, whatever it is. If they knew, would they respect me still or would they reject me? And as long as you're wondering that, you're not in community, you're in a Hollywood soundstage and everything is fake. And there is nothing so liberating as hearing from someone that you have told, a trusted brother or sister in Christ, hearing from them the words, I forgive you, this does not define you, I do not think any less of you. That is so freeing. You can't imagine how freeing that is. The rule in my life is that everything must be known by someone. The result is I have no secrets. Everything is out in the open. And that is so freeing because you're suddenly you're not afraid of being discovered. And you're not wondering, well, what if, if someone knew? Would they still love me? They know. And they still love me. Yes, it can happen. It's true. It's so freeing because it's all out in the open and you just feel free. And, you know, once you've told one person, you're, you're really free because everyone's a gossip. So you've told the whole world. So, you know... And the problem in churches is we stay way too much on the surface. And that's why marriages that seem perfect suddenly go south. And things like addictions and adultery and pornography are such problems because we don't talk about it to help each other out. And we rob each other of the true experience of real community, which is to be fully known and fully loved. And that can happen when Christ is present. I have a lot of friends who help me with this. They know everything about me, and they encourage me to grow. They keep me on track. They ask me hard questions, things like, are you pursuing God daily? Have your financial transactions been above board? How's your thought life? Have you lied to me in any of your answers? (laughs) Not in a policing way, but in a caring way. And I do that for them. And and we, we're all, you know, it's, it's a group of guys, and we are all agreed. We've known each other for 20 years. And we've all made this pact that if ever any one of us does the midlife crisis cliche thing, you know, goes and gets the sports car, wear the gold chains, run off with an aerobics instructor named Bambi, you know... My apologies to anyone named Bambi. (laughs) If any one of us does that, we have given each other permission to slap that person silly until they come back to their senses. Because what are friends for? (laughs) And when we're together, we spend time joking and laughing, but also reminding each other how good God is, encouraging each other when times are tough, confessing our sins, our fears, our failures, and our victories and praying for each other. Is your community honest? Are you getting to the hard stuff? Confession builds community. Christ, community, common dependence, confession, and finally, common cause. Communities need a common cause or they die. Because as good as all this sharing, confessing, Oprah kind of stuff is, if that's all we do, 
If all we do is sit around and share our feelings, that's not community. That's more like a Marin County encounter group in the 70s kind of a thing, you know? It's sloppy. Biblical community is more than just intimacy. It's intimacy plus a mission. Here in Acts, they had intimacy, but they also had a whopping common cause, and that was to share the gospel. That's why sports teams are so effective. You've got a common cause. But in Christian community, it can be even better because our common cause is so wonderful to show the love of God to each other and then to the world. The people I am closest to in my life are the people that I have served with. On mission trips, working with the homeless, teaching Sunday school, does your community have a common cause? Before I was a pastor, I used to be part of a leadership committee at a church I used to attend. And we'd meet once a week to be leaders together and decide things that leaders decide. And we would always share prayer requests at the end, but it was always kind of shallow. You know, it'd be things like, I've got a cold. Could you pray for me, please? Well, one day in this committee meeting, one of the women just burst into tears. And she said, I'm so ashamed. And when you find out what I'm about to tell you, you're going to kick me off this committee and I won't be a leader anymore. And she went on and she said, I'm bulimic. Every day I go on an eating binge and every night I throw up. And she said, I am so ashamed and I feel disgusting. Well, none of us knew what to say, you know, because that kind of honesty wasn't supposed to happen in a committee meeting. It wasn't on the agenda. (laughs) Moment for honesty wasn't there. Finally, someone said, you know what? I don't know what to say, but I know this. God loves you. This does not define you. And we're going to help you. So we prayed for her. And every week we'd ask her how she was doing and encourage, encourage her. Some of the women in the group would call her regularly to check up on her, stay the night with her if need be. She got some Christian counseling and eventually she was free of the bulimia and free from that obsessive cycle. But more than that, our group suddenly went from being a committee to being a community. And out of that emerged a renewed sense of common cause to help the church we were part of have more Bible studies that were communities. And we began training leaders on how to do that. And we had this renewed sense of common cause and common mission together, which made that community all the deeper. Christ, commitment, common dependence, confession, and common cause. And oh, by the way, if we do this, we'll have to add a sixth C, counterculture. Because ain't nobody doing this kind of community in spite of the fact that everybody's dying for it. That's why people flocked to the early church in droves, because they saw this amazing kingdom of God thing going on, and they wanted to be a part of it. And if we can get this kind of community going in this church, we're going to need 15 services on a Sunday morning just to accommodate the hordes who are looking for that kind of a place to belong. At a church I used to work at, the, the high school group once went on a week-long camping trip together. In the back country, they, they, were prayed, they prayed together, surviving the wilderness together, building community. And on their way out, they came to this river that was flooded. And there were 40 people just standing there, not knowing what to do. But because the high schoolers had been in community for a week, they knew exactly what to do. And they formed this human chain across the river. 
and began to ferry people across the river one by one. Now, those 40 people that were standing there stranded could have any time have made that human chain. But because they were thinking of themselves as individuals, not as a community, they missed the moment and they were stuck. We are stronger together than we are apart. In the Gospels, Jesus says a very interesting thing. He says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't it interesting that hell has gates? Hell is a gated community. And that is exactly how C.S. Lewis depicts it in The Great Divorce. A vast plain where people hate each other so much that they sometimes move galaxies apart just so they don't have to see another person. That is the work of hell. To push us apart. But the work of Christ in his cross is the opposite. It's atonement. At-one-ment. To bring together that which has been pushed asunder... God and humanity and us and each other. And the best proof of Christ on earth is true Christian community. So how are you fixed for community? Maybe you don't know anyone in this church. I want to really encourage you to, to call the church or, 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 or ask one of us so we can get you in a, in a small group Bible study or a mid-sized fellowship. And maybe you're in one of those, but let me ask you, how's your community doing on those five C's? And what do we need to do together to become a fully functioning biblical community so we can have abundant life and so the world will know that Jesus is alive in our midst? In the words of that other old camp song that many of you know, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Lord Jesus, thank you that you don't call us alone, but you call us together to be partners in your service to be a community. Lord, help us be just that so that the world will know that you live in us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.